chapter 6, uh, this uh, series of Kingdom of God is, uh, the Gospel of the Kingdom, I've had different sayings. There was uh, a couple weeks ago I got to meet and minister to some men in a church in uh, San Bernardino. And, uh, yesterday I got to meet with some pastors and a couple of those pastors came to that church. And it was just very encouraging how the message, uh, it was kind of a clip note section, that's what I call a clip note version of what I've been teaching on. Uh-huh. But one day I just kept drilling in that the Kingdom of God is here. It was just kind of a charge, in a sense, uh, in that way. Um, and uh, they're still talking about it. And uh, that, that's not too much about me speaking the message, but the, they heard the message. They heard it. They heard the message. And they said one guy who normally falls asleep, he was, he was talking all the way home. They gave him right home. He, so it's just awesome. Because the kingdom of God is here. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know that theologically. We know that doctrinally. But sometimes we don't live that way. We don't make decisions that way. Yeah, okay. We get caught up in other things, and we see we might not call them kingdoms, but there are systems of this world, both in society, politics, different things of that nature, and we can kind of understand that being a kingdom, being some type of system of government. But there's religions, there's families, there's just we're hearing one of our discussions yesterday in this pastor's meeting. We uh, brought up someone was talking about. Uh, uh, they didn't use the word culture, but they were talking about changing the culture in a particular ministry within their church. And that's why I brought up the word culture. I got some things from Dwayne Sheriff in a recent past. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. But uh, culture can be, be kind of a, a governing system. Mm. And we can establish a culture in a church. Yeah. We can establish a culture in a family. Mm. We can establish a culture in any system or group or where have our community of people. And... Uh, you know, there's a, one, I mean, for example, one thing we have in this house, mercy will reign in this house. Mm-hmm. If we're going to err, we're going to err, Sherry and I are very determined, even if it's to our hurt, even if it's to our, uh, be, Jesus talked about, uh, about being defrauded. Even if we're defrauded, in a sense, we're going to let mercy reign. Yeah. That's not always a flesh thing, that's sometimes a choice we make. And believe me, there's that times where we have to make a choice on the mercy reign. And it just, it just could be a, a culture that we establish. And that's just one example of different things. Uh, but, uh, um, but the kingdom of God is here. And it reigns. And uh, Jesus said, and uh, I'm just kind of highlighting some things we've talked about. Jesus said that we are to pray his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to seek first his kingdom. Seek first his rule and his reign. I don't know about you, but I want his kingdom to reign in my life. I want his kingdom to reign in my body, my, mm-hmm. my physical body, my health. Mm-hmm. I want his kingdom to reign in my finances. Mm-hmm. I want his kingdom to reign in my relationships, in my marriage, uh, different things. I want his kingdom to reign. Not some other kingdom. Not some other kingdom that, that uh, the, the, the curse or the, 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 the fall of this world wants to impose upon me. Sickness being an example. Or lack being an example. The kingdom of God is here. Yeah. And uh, it reigns, and it's, it's, it's within us. And, and we have a kingdom. One of the pastors I think he was uh, one of the verses I brought out that, that, that men's fellowship was uh, uh, from Hebrews chapter twelve, verse twenty-eight. I think it is that we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. This kingdom cannot be shaken. And uh, other kingdoms, and we talked in weeks past, and other kingdoms, other systems will come against us. We, I think we talked last week about the, the wheat and the tares. Mm. And the tares, 
Tariffs will go, are basically what I interpreted as just uh, uh, the, the legalistic church. Uh, the, 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 the Pharisees. The, 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 they, 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 uh, the tares grow in the same field as the wheat. And so you can't, until they grow to fruition, you can't tell the difference between a tear and a wheat. Um, unless you're an expert and know, know between a, a tear and a wheat, and you're a farmer, you know the difference. But from the natural eye, you can't always tell they grow, they look alike, they talk alike, they go to church alike, they dress alike, they worship alike. But some are tares and some are, some are wheat. And I, and I ended with that, is that we're not, it also says, because the, 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 the servants came to the master, said, should we go and pluck out the tares? He goes, no. Mm-hmm. Our job is not to go tear picking. Yeah. Our job is to preach the gospel. Because there's still hope for the tares. There's still hope. Mm-hmm. They might be like the ten virgins who haven't let them rest, but there's still hope because, until the, uh, uh, the, the bridegroom comes. And so we're, our job is to preach the gospel. Our job is not to go judge and pull out the tares. That's not our job. Our job is to preach the gospel and sow the seed. Because the same way that we, some of us were once tares in a sense, and the same way that we were transformed, they can too be transformed. Mm-hmm. Paul was a tear. And he got, as Saul, he got converted to Saul, uh, Paul, as we know him. And, and so uh, there's hope for people. And Nicodemus was a tear. He came to him by Jesus by night, and he found out he needed to be born again to see and to enter the kingdom of God. And so our job is, although they're there, they say there's, there's a point to realize the difference between the wheat and the tares. Our job is not necessarily to go pluck them out right. and go judge them right. and different things. Uh, and so anyway, uh, some different things we talked about. I want to continue our topic today about the kingdom of God is here and um, talk about some more about the nature of the kingdom of God. We've already been going into looking at several parables. Jesus talked that the kingdom of God is like. We've already talked about three or four already in Matthew 13. We're going to look at a, a couple more today. But before we go there, we're going to look at a couple things in Daniel in just a second. But I want to point the direction a little bit today about um, just uh, our value and our significance in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus also said the kingdom of God is within us. It's here. And we have significance. And we have value. And we have worth in the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but ever since I understood the gospel, I've, I had a better revelation of who God is, his nature, and the nature of his kingdom. But within that, I've also had a better revelation of who I am. Mm-hmm. And within that, I have a better revelation of who you are mm-hmm. in God's eyes. And that's where I'm going to be going with this too. How do we relate to our fellow man? And also, how do we relate to the lost? Jesus ministered to the publicans and sinners. And actually, when you think about it, the public and the sinners, they liked him. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they cleaved to him. It was the religious, it was the tares, in a sense, that Jesus had an issue with. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that he was uh, a little more harsher more towards. But the public and the sinners, he, he reached out to them. And actually, they, reached out, they, they, they responded to that. He was like a flower that attracted them. Uh, because of his love, his mercy, his compassion, the, the healing and, and the, the salvation that he brought to them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we have value God, uh, to God and his kingdom. Uh, so before we go too deep, let's get uh, turn to Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to spend a lot of time here, but I'm going uh, to look at something here real quick. Daniel chapter 2, we'll pick it up in verse 31. Now, I know through the years some of us might have seen some of these things from Daniel. 
And a lot of people have pointed this to end time stuff, and I actually, uh, I agree and disagree, depending on what we're talking about. But uh, I, I see it as God's kingdom is here, and God's kingdom is now. We already looked at some things in Daniel and weeks past, different, different uh, contexts. But uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had this vision of this uh, statue, of this image, um, which I can tell you right, all that right back into religion. An, an, an image of God, a, a statue, or, or not so much an image of God, just an image. Uh, but anyway, let's read some verses here and make some comments. Uh, verse 31, and we'll, we'll read the third, verse 35 to start. And thou, O king, sawest and beheld a great image, and this great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible, and this image head was of fine gold, his breath and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, and his legs of iron, and his feet part of iron and part of clay. Now I want to pick up verse 34. And thou sawest that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them into pieces. Verse 35. And then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken into pieces together. It became like the chaff, or the chaff of the, the summer, and threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. In this last part, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. There's a lot here. I'm not going to go into all the different things here. There's a lot to be said, and that's for another time, another day. But verse 34 is my main highlight in the last part of verse 35. First of all, the stone. And I'm reading out of King James, and, but uh, some translations call it a little rock or a little stone. I believe that stone is Jesus, Amen. the cornerstone. And it's this rock of Jesus that smashed the feet of this image. The kingdom of God is here. And it will smash, it will destroy the other kingdoms. And then, how many of you know that there is a day that's coming that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord? Okay, right now it's voluntarily, but there will become a day when it will be mandatory. Mm-hmm. Okay, but also, you know, I believe so. Jesus is that stone, He's that cornerstone. But in the last part of 35, where it says, And the stone that smote, their image became a great mountain, and it filled the whole earth. And there's a lot I can derive from here, but this mountain, it, can, uh, it struck the kingdoms of this world, and it filled the whole earth. Again, we're talking about, uh, we are not, not a, a people of defeat, but we are a people of significance. We have significance in the kingdom of God. See, it all started with a rock. It all started with one man. It all started with one seed, Jesus. And we have become born again. Jesus has become in us. Not only do we have the kingdom within us, we have the king of the kingdom within us. And it started with one man, Jesus, the second Adam. And those of us who are born again, we have his spirit, we have his kingdom, we have his nature, we are filled with the fullness of God. And now this seed has become a mountain. We, uh, there's several scriptures I can bring out, 
but we are Mount Zion. We are the church of the living God. We see, uh, even in Revelation chapter 21, uh, the angel said to uh, John, I'm going to show you the Lamb's wife. And down came the city, Jerusalem. It's a mountain. It's, uh, he, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 calls it Mount Zion. The Mount Zion, Jerusalem, the bride of Christ, uh, the, the people of God, uh, the true Israel, is all speaking to a mountain. And it has filled the old earth. Also, I, I, you know, what, what, I, what I also see here is increase. We've talked about this in weeks past. The key, we, we've talked about in Isaiah 96, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. This kingdom, this mountain, this city, this influence, is grow, it, it, it became, there's a, there's a progression of it becoming a big mountain. And it not only filling the whole earth. God, the, God's glory will fill the earth. God, or, and even when we talk about earth, that can also be translated these jars of clay. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are jars of clay. And uh, a lot of times the earth is symbolism because we are what? We are made of dust. We are made of the earth. And God has filled us with his glory. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that we have been transformed from glory to glory. From the glory of the old covenant to the glory of the new covenant. Because in context, he says that the, old the law, the, the ministry of condemnation and death, had glory. But the ministry of righteousness and the ministry of the Spirit exceeds much more in glory. And we have been transformed from glory to glory. And we have been, and, but God has filled these jars, his earth, with his glory. And God is filling the earth with his glory. And God, he, he, Jesus told Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Get a little ahead of myself, but let's real quick. Let's just toggle to Ephesians chapter one. We talked about this in weeks past, but it just keeps coming to mind. Ephesians one seventeen. I'm gonna go back to that New King James. I don't know why that was in the King James. It says. Paul's praying, he says, he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There's a lot I can derive from everything I just read and what I'm trying to communicate. But it just uh, the kingdom of God is here, it's within us. And Paul is praying that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and we would know the hope of our calling. God has put all things underneath his feet, and he has given head over the church. He has put all things underneath the feet of his church. Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I believe God 
Um, God, the kingdom of God is here. And God is going to smash the kingdoms of this world in one sense, one life at a time. You change the one way to change a culture, one way to change a nation is to change the people. Mm -hmm. You change the hearts of the people, you will change the culture. Mm -hmm. You change the hearts of the people, you will change the kingdoms of this world. That makes sense? The kingdom is not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I believe if we change hearts and we change lives and we, 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 Jesus, when, every time Jesus commissioned, I mean, John preached it this way, Jesus preached it this way, he sent the 12, he sent the 70, and in Mark 16, he sent the church, he told us to preach the kingdom of God is here, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you receive, freely give. We're, we're, our job, our commission is to go and preach the kingdom of God is here. Amen. He told Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Mm -hmm. So we're teaching people to become born again so that they can see the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but ever since I've been born again and I understood what that meant... And I, I can see the kingdom of God. I can see the kingdom of God in my life. I can see how the kingdom of God has changed, transformed our, our lives, our marriage, our finances, our health, and different things. I don't want to go back. Right. I've been ruined in a good way. <laughs> and I've been spoiled in a good way. My eyes have been lightened to know the hope of his calling. I haven't arrived, as Andrew was saying, but I, I've left. And I'm on my way. I, not, I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. And the kingdom of God has transformed my life, and that kingdom is the dominion, the, 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 the uh, controlling force in my life. There's, there's that tendency where I can get back into the world, I can get other kingdoms roll my mind and my thoughts. But even when I get, go there at times, and we've all have, because that seed is in me, once I get back into His presence, once I get back into His Word, once I get back into renewing my mind again, then everything, all the other junk begins to peel off. If I can just stay there, then I can see a, a consistent growth. I won't have to have some backtracking different things. But when I'm planted his kingdom, his kingdom is smashing all the other kingdoms in my mind and my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And he's going to start at the feet. He's going to, how beautiful are the mountains and the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who proclaims salvation, declares that God got raised. There's a lot of irony, things uh, uh, I can connect with the, this image of the feet, how beautiful are the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. And uh, it's not a major point I'm trying to bring out Daniel, but his kingdom is here, and it's going to smash the kingdoms of this world. And it's not going to do it by some militant force that we think so in a physical way. Mm -hmm. His kingdom is spiritual. Amen. And when you change the root, you change the fruit. And it's going to smash the kingdoms of this world by changing the hearts of the people. That makes sense. Yeah. And so uh, we're not going to win. We're not going to be. We're not going to win people by being debated and being rude and being what I call grace. It's called grace place, where we're just as legalistic as they are, but just from a grace perspective. Mm. We're not going to. We're not going to win people that way. 
I'm not saying there's not the time to be bold, and I'm not saying there's not time to preach the gospel, and there's not time to, and we're not going to back down. Every weapon formed against us will not prosper, and every word that rises up in, in, uh, in judgment we will condemn. But at the same point in time, the kingdom of God is here. You know, when you, uh, when you are an authority, you don't have to be arrogant about it. I'm not saying there, there's not a time to be bold, and we need to rise up and speak, and, and speak the truth without any preservation or anything of that nation. That, but at the same point in time, we, the kingdom of God is here. Mm. It's within us. Mm. And the kingdom of God is here to increase. We're the head, not the tail. We're above and not beneath. That little rock is in us. The cornerstone is in us to smash the kingdoms of this world. And just like when I get into and when I see this image, I think of David Goliath. David knew who his God was, and he didn't matter how big this uncircumcised Philistine was, that he, David, was not subject to the, the giant. The giant was subject to the kingdom of God. In other words, I'm not telling God about my problems. I'm telling my problems about my God. That make sense? Okay. Let's move, let's move forward a little bit. Um... But why do the nations rage, and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces, and cast away their cords from us. Who sits in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath, and distress them in his deep pleasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion, and I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and you shall dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. And now therefore be wise, O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the waves when his, his wrath is kindled, but a, but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Again, there's a lot in here, um, but first of all, um, I just want to... Second. Excuse me if I talk, maybe I scroll back up to the beginning here. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to regain my, my thoughts here. I have a note here to go to Luke 19. I just want I'm, I'm just, you ever make a note and put like, why did I put that note there? Yep. Any of you ever been there? Uh, yes. So, real quick, uh, we're going to come back to Psalm 2. But I want to make a note here in Luke 19. I'm just going to follow that trail. There's a reason why I put it there. And this is the parable of the, the meanest, if I'm pronouncing that right. 
I'm going to read a little bit of this. It says, Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem. And because they brought the kingdom of God, they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now they're looking for a natural kingdom. There was a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom to return a kingdom and to return. And so he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants, to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, and saying, Master, your meanest has earned ten meanest. And he said to him, Well, good done, good, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. You have, given, you have authority over ten cities. And the second came, and actually, I want to just pause here for a moment before I read, just read all of this. I want to read out. We've heard the, the story of the, the parable of the ten talents, where two, uh, two invested it. They got more, and the one was unfaithful with it. I believe the reason why I was going to go here for a moment, I was just going to make a footnote, verse 14, and they made this declaration that we will not have this man reign over us. There was this mindset, and again, Jesus many times is dealing with the Pharisees. He's dealing with the religious mindset. He's dealing with natural Israel, for that matter. Uh, we read some verses a while back uh, that not all Israel is Israel, uh, just because they're from Abraham's seed. Uh, doesn't mean they're necessarily uh, from Isaac's seed. That they could be from Ishmael. I, I feel like I'd be a little wishy-washy right now uh, as far as my, my flow of events. But there's this mindset, and I'm, I'm not just picking on the Pharisees of Jesus' time, but there's a mindset, we will not have this man reign over us. We will not let Jesus be Lord of our lives. I mean, you know, Jesus is not only our Savior, but he is also our Lord. Mm-hmm. God is our Lord. And I want his reign in my life. I want his reign in my finances and everything that concerns me. I want his lordship in my life. He's not a hard taskmaster, as some people portray him to be. But some people have made a mindset. We, or they, might not, they might not be so bold to say he's not my lord, but their lives speak differently. They don't let him be lord. Yeah. They call him lord. They give him lip service. But their hearts are far from him, and he is not lord of their lives. Going back to Psalm 2, you know, there's a, uh, just the first few verses, you know, the nations are raging, the people plot in vain, uh, the kings of the earth set themselves, and, and the rulers take counsel together uh, against, against the Lord. There's, there's, this, there's this mindset against the Lord. It's, 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 you know, there can only be one Lord of our life. Either He is Lord of our lives, or we are, or something else is, or someone else is. And so, um, uh, there's, there's, and there's so many thoughts I have. I'm trying to bring them all together. But in Hebrews chapter 4, Paul, um, the, the writer of Hebrews calls this uh, the rebellion. It's rebellion to not trust the Lord. It's rebellion not to have him be Lord of our lives. But in verse 4, we see God's response to this attitude. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. And the Lord shall hold them in derision, and he shall speak to them in his wrath, and distress them and distress them in his deep displeasure. 
and verse 6 and 7. And yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Who's Zion? Zion, his church, his people, mm -hmm. his bride. And I will declare the decree that the Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. There's a lot I could bring out here. And I don't want to make a major point because a lot I can give in here. But God, ever since the resurrection, through the finished work we were just saying about this morning, about the finished work of Jesus Christ, it is finished, it is done, he, and we have won. But through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we, God has established his kingdom of righteousness. Righteousness is the foundation of his throne. And Romans 5.17 says that much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign through him through the life through the one Jesus Christ. When we receive his righteousness, when we receive his grace, we shall reign. And 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 when we and it's through his death and it's through his resurrection that we have been and it's through this sonship, it's through this this uh, being uh, Zion, his people, that we have been given an inheritance. And part of that inheritance and there's a lot of things I can spot, speak about in the inheritance that we have received by having the kingdom of God in us. Is that He will give us the nations. He will give us the governments of this world. And this rock in us, I'm trying to tie this in with Daniel chapter, uh, chapter 2. That this rock in us will smash the kingdoms of this world. So that they will bow to Jesus who is in us. That making sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but, um, in other words, but, again, let me tie this into my main point I've been bringing out in the whole series is that the kingdom of God is here. Jesus has died. Jesus has resurrected. Jesus is sitting on the throne. And there's, al there's also another thought I'm trying to unravel or come against. And that is this. All, most of my life growing up, I always, when I thought about the kingdom of God, I was always thinking of a future kingdom. Mm -hmm. The day when Jesus comes back and we see a physical kingdom. Jesus said to Pilate that my kingdom is not of this world. I believe there will be a day when we will see a physical kingdom. And we will be in mansions and we will be part of the kingdom. But I also believe that the kingdom of God is here and is in our hearts. I'm not taken away from the kingdom that will be. But tomorrow will take care of itself. But there is a kingdom here. And, there's, and, and, and all this language I'm hearing in Daniel chapter 2, in Psalm chapter 2, and things I'm trying to read to you, I'm also trying to paint a picture that we are not just waiting for a future kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. And that we are the head and not the tail. We are above, not beneath. And these other kingdoms do not rule over us. The kingdom of God is here to rule over them. And part of our inheritance is that he will give us the kingdoms of the nations of this world. Not to micromanage them, not to lord it over them, but to tell them and preach the kingdom, repent, because the kingdom of God is here. That make sense? Mm -hmm. That is our inheritance. He has redeemed us as kingdom priests, Revelation 5 and 9 and 10, that we will, as kingdom priests, we will be made kingdom priests to rule the earth. We have been inaugurated by God the king of all kings, to rule the earth. 
That make sense? And we're going to smash the kingdom of this world, not through some militant force, but by the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. We're not ruling the kingdom of God by plucking the tares. We're ruling the kingdom of God by preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. That making sense? Mm -hmm. I bring a lot of different thoughts together right here. And I'm... Uh, um, Picking up verse 8, it says, Ask me, and I will give you the nations of your, of your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. And you shall, who's you? Us. You shall break them with a rod of iron. Same rod, uh, we, we see this rod of iron in Daniel, my widow continues reading. And you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Little K. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear or reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled. But a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. De depending on how you look at this, in other words, what lens or perspective you're seeing this, you can see, in, even with the parable of the Midas and other things, you can see an angry God, or you can see a God who has heart for heart and passion for people. Uh, I see a God who has passion for people. Amen. I, I hate sin, but I love the sinner. Mm -hmm. I hate sickness, but I love the sick. I hate the, the filth that's in this world. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I'm not smashing people. I'm smashing the system, Amen. the thoughts, the patterns, the government, the kingdom of the world. I'm not, and I'm smashing the feet so that I bow to the king of kings mm. and lord of lords. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm not destroying people. Uh, that is not the culprit. That is not, but the, God has translated out the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. But the, the devil, although he is defeated, he has warped people's minds to serve his kingdom. And we are coming against the kingdom of darkness, not the king, not people. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. But the enemy is influencing these other kingdoms. And, uh, uh, anyway, there's a lot of thoughts I have here, but I want to, Continue moving forward because of time. Um, see, one thing I, one thing I want to bring out to you. He told, I keep coming back to this verse too. In John three three, Jesus said, "Nicodemus, unless we're born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God." I spent a few weeks last, well, the last couple of weeks talking about, and math, also Matthew chapter six, not thirteen. Excuse me. I think I, forget, I think it's Matthew thirteen. Yeah. Where Jesus said, you know, um, that he wants to open our eyes so we can see and open our ears so we can hear. And we have to be careful how we hear. We have to be careful what we see. Mm -hmm. But those of us who are born again, we see the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Not only do we see the kingdom of God, we see beyond the, the filth of this world. And we see God's heart for people. Yeah. We can see that the, the people are not the enemy. The enemy is influencing the people. We can see that. The world cannot see it. 
We read some verses, uh, I think last week or the week before, from 2 Corinthians, that the world cannot discern this. They don't know. There's other scriptures they can bring out that the world, the world, and even the religious church, is blinded. They can't see it. But we can. We can. And it's not our job to judge the people, but it's our job to, to, to discern to that, and, and to preach the gospel. That make, am I making sense? Mm -hmm. And by, when we change the hearts of the people, we will smash the kingdoms of this world. Amen. If you take out the heart, if you kill the head, the whole body falls apart. That makes sense? Yes. If you want to kill the kingdoms of this world, you win the hearts of the people by causing them to repent because the kingdom of God is here. Hope that making sense because that's how God changed my life. He changed my life. I became born again. And when I knew who I was, when I was seeing his glory, not my glory in the mirror, my life was transformed from glory to glory. Their lives are going to be transformed the same way mine was. Their lives are not going to be transformed because of force. Their, their life is not going to be transformed because I'm militant and, and I, I can win an argument or I can win some theological discussion. Their hearts are going to win because his goodness leads them to repentance. That makes sense? And my heart was changed when I saw that I was the righteousness of God in Him. My life changed. So many areas of my life changed. I was in church. I was in many ways a tear. I was even in ministry. But I, and I, 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 I in, in so many ways, I was judging people. But I began to have a compassion for people because I saw that not only was I the righteousness of God in Christ, but they too were. If you ever read 2 Corinthians 5.21, the word we is used. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's plural. And so it's not just me. Anyway, there's a lot of different things I'm bringing out here, but I want to move forward again uh, for the sake of time. So let's go to... Uh, now we'll switch tones a little bit here too. Let's go back to Matthew... Let's go to Matthew... Yeah, let's go to Matthew 11. There's a point I want to make out here. I might have read this in weeks past, but... Uh, so we're going to go kind of a different direction now. Hopefully that made sense because it was hard for me to communicate what I wanted to, but I wanted to a bunch of other detail I didn't want to get into. But, uh, Matthew 11, verse 11 and 12, and it says, Jesus talking, he says, Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered, suffered violence and the violent things by force. Now there's a lot to be said here in verse 12, but I really want to highlight verse 11. Jesus said that those born of women, and everyone except Christ has been born of women, there has never been one greater than John the Baptist. Jesus is declaring that John the Baptist was the greatest person born of a woman. Uh, but uh, it's not, I'm not trying to get all technical about that so much. He says, but, but he who is least in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
you and I, we are, see, John the Baptist was not born again. The cross hasn't happened yet. You and I are. We're born twice in that sense. We're born again. And anyone who is born again in the kingdom of heaven, because unless one is born again, he told Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Is greater than he. So that, I don't know about you, but that's encouragement. If you and I are the least in the kingdom of God, we are greater than John the Baptist. I don't know what you think of a John the Baptist, but Jesus thought highly of them. And those of us who are at least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. That's huge. That's huge. Um, one of the main points, again, I'm uh, going back to something I made a point of view again. I'm trying to point out right now that we have great significance and we have great value and we have great worth. This is just one of my points I'm trying to make. We are positioned with authority. We have been positioned with great value. We need to see that. There's a, there's a point I'm going to make in a minute that if we can't see the value of who we are, we're going to have a very hard time seeing value in our fellow man. Okay, very hard. If we don't have value for one another, that tells me we do not have value for ourselves from a kingdom perspective. That makes sense? You can't give what you don't have. And uh, it starts with us seeing great value. I, I'm not talking about being prideful and arrogant. I'm talking about being, it's, hum, it's humility. I'm not talking about humiliation. I'm talking about humility to see ourselves the way God sees us. We are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. You are all fair, my beloved. There is no spot in you. Okay? We must see that. Because that is our position of authority. That is our position of kingship, if you will, as kings and priests of his kingdom. We, uh, we have all been saved by the blood of Jesus. There is only one kind of righteousness, and that is through the righteousness of the blood of Jesus. And you and I have been all been saved from the same blood. There is no favoritism, there is no better, but there is no, even the least is greater than John the Baptist. Make sense? In one sense, there's no pecking order. Jesus is the king of all kings. And we have all been redeemed. And we all have value. We all have significance. We need to see that for ourselves so we can also see that for one another. But it starts with us seeing it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. If we are unhealthy in how we view ourselves, we will be unhealthy in how we view one another. Amen. You cannot change the fruit if you don't change the root. Amen. That makes sense? It starts there. And if we're talking, words I can use, negative about ourselves, then we will talk and think negative about other people. That makes sense? Yes. That, and that's how a tear talks. A tear is negative. A tear, a Pharisees will persecute, will always deride, will always despise other people. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a verse I'm going to bring out here, and I hope I get there. Uh, one way we can tell a tear uh, uh, the religious people, we can always tell there's a certain attitude they always have. Again, we're not going tear picking, but uh, I want to make sure I'm not a tear. That makes sense? Um, uh, sorry, just clicking my thoughts here. I want to move forward. 
again. One step chain. I gotta pick it up in verse one. It is then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, Jesus, to hear him. That's always intrigued me. No. And once said, I don't want to be attracted to the world because I'm like them. But we are the light. We are that flower. We are, there should be something attractive about us to the world that they want what we got. Not attractive because we're just like them and we're singing their song and playing their music. But, and I'm not talking about music per se, but I'm just talking about, uh, they, they, the, the tax collectors and the sinners drew into him to hear him. And then the Pharisees and the scribes complained, you know, they murmured, saying, This man, Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. So he was, they were despising Jesus, hanging out with the publican and sinners, who were coming to him to hear him. And so he, Jesus, spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, go after the one which is lost, until he finds him? And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying, To them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just, just persons or righteous people who need no repentance. There's a lot I can divide them here again, but sheep go astray. By nature, they go astray. And when we mess up, and we all have, we already feel bad. The last thing we need is someone to get on our case because of the wrong that we've done. I'm not saying there's not consequences. I'm not saying that there's not uh, lessons to be learned. But I want you to know one thing, that Jesus loved the sheep so much that he put us on his shoulders and carried it home. He loved the sheep. God loves people. God loves your brother and sister. God loves the worst sinner on this planet. He loves them. And he will do whatever he needs to as he is allowed to rescue and redeem that sheep. People who have done wrong People who are in a dark place need to see the goodness of God, need to see the mercy of God, need to see the nature of God, and, and they need God to help them get out of the mess. Mm -hmm. They don't need to be pointed out how messful they are. Right. Well, most cases, they already know that. That's right. But then uh, I want to make some more points. Let's read the next parable. Well, what women, verse 8, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Again, both of these parables, God is, Jesus is addressing the, the murmuring, complaining that the Pharisees had towards Jesus because he was hanging out with the publicans and sinners. 
He, in other words, Jesus is saying that these publicans and sinners, they, that they are like the lost sheep. They are like the lost coin. And like a woman who lost her coin will turn the house upside down to find that coin. God will turn over heaven and earth to find you. And find them. And who are we to judge them and judge him for reaching out to them? Because these Pharisees were not judging so much the public and the sinners, although that was true. They were judging him. And they were mad at him. They were murmuring about him. And I don't know about you, but I want a greater compassion for people than I have. I'm not satisfied with sometimes the compassion I have for people. I'm not saying we don't have it, but I want more. I want it to be more regular. I want it to be more second nature. I, that tells me I need a greater, greater revelation how much he loves me. That makes sense? God loves people. He values people. He died for him. He will turn the house upside down. He will leave the ninety-nine and go after the one. Jesus, uh, he prioritized people. And when we're talking about ministry, when we're talking about even what we do in this church, people are the priority. There's some other things we have to do in this church for it to function and be in compliance with IRS standards and different things of that nature. But the most important thing is people. That will always be the case. Once we lose that vision, we've lost our purpose. And we, and so, and in one sense, there's no ministry. Um, I'm not going to read the whole story, but then we have the story of the prodigal son. He's mentioning all, the, 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 all three of these testament, uh, prodigals are in response to how the Pharisees were treating Jesus for hanging out with public and sinners. And so, it's a beautiful story of God's redemption and salvation towards the prodigal. His mercy, his love. But the whole story was about the prodigal's brother, the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. That's who he was addressing. That's who he was speaking to. And, the, and when you see the story of the prodigal son and the, and the older brother, you see him, the, 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 the older brother refused to go in and celebrate. Not only was he refusing the son, his brother, he was also refusing God. It was a very arrogant spirit. And in one sense, he had done nothing wrong as far as prodigal living. He was being faithful at home, serving, uh, working hard, working diligent, being part of the family, not being wasteful in his living. But he depended on his righteousness based on what he did. Self-righteousness. And it was not the righteousness of God. The publicans and sinners, the prodigal son, could only base their righteousness on the gift they receive from God. That's different. And so, um, where am I going with this? Let's go to Matthew 13. Last couple of weeks we spent a lot of time in Matthew 13. We talked about the parable of the sower. We talked about the parable of the mustard seed. We talked about the parable of the leaven. We talked about the parable of the tares and the, and, and the wheat. Right out in there, he gives us parable in Matthew 13, verse 44. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and with joy, and over it he goes and sells, and all that he has, and he buys that field. You know, something we all need to be reminded of 
We did not find God. God found us. Yeah. True. Make sense? True. We didn't find God. God found us. He says, in other words, we did not give up everything to buy a field. He gave up everything for us. He purchased us. He gave up the son, his own son for us. We were the treasure in the field. He bought the field. For God so loved the whole world. He bought the field to get you. He bought the field to get us. Amen. He bought the field to get your fellow man. No matter what they've done against you or against God, he has bought the field. You are treasured to him. We are treasured to him. He purchased the whole field to get us. And then we have the parable of the pearl. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. We were the pearl of great price. God gave everything. His son gave everything to purchase us. And we need his eye to see us the way he sees us so that we can have his eye to see one another as God sees others. That make sense? Mm -hmm. We cannot see people as God sees them unless we have his eye to see us the way God sees us. Mm -hmm. We are the pearl. They are the pearl. We are the treasure that God has come to seek and find. Luke 18, and I'm going to wrap it up here. Luke 18, verse 9. And we have the parable of the Pharisees and the tax collector. Or the publican. Depending what translation you've got. And also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Key phrase there. Who trusted in themselves. So who's he speaking to? Those who trusted in themselves. Mm -hmm. And they were righteous and despised others. I'm going to come back to that verse. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed us with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like the other man. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing far off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but be his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I want to go back to verse 9. He also spoke this parable to some who trusted themselves, and they were righteous, and in the last part of this phrase, and despise others. Mm -hmm. This is how you will know who is religious. And who is for real. When you trust yourselves, you will always despise other people. When you trust yourself, when you trust in your own righteousness, you will always despise other people. It may start out subtle, 
even the thought of trusting yourself might start out sin. But if you continue to feed that seed, if you continue to dwell on that and wallow in that and trust that, you will despise other people. Mm -hmm. May I add this, God hates It comes out a lot of the parables that he's talking about. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And when you think your righteousness is better than others, that's dangerous. Because we are born of the same blood. We are born of the same seed. And the blood that you were born again is no better than the the blood of your fellow brother is born again. We're on the same level. There's no comparison. It's by faith in his by faith by grace we've been saved, not of ourselves, so that we cannot boast. Amen. Amen. When we have the same right, we have the same righteousness by faith in the same blood of Jesus. See, when we see ourselves the way God sees us, it's easy to be humble and to reach out and show mercy and to serve one another. But when we're looking at ourselves, we're trusting ourselves, we, we, we might not say the words, but our attitude and our actions will show that we despise them. We need to see what God sees. And I, uh, with this, I'm just, I'm just closing with this. We're talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within us. See, this is how God operates. Jesus is an expression of God. This is how he operated. I don't know about you, but I want to operate that way. You know, we also read in weeks past that Jesus said, the, the works that I do, and even greater works you do, because I go to the Father. We think of the miracles, and we think of the, the healings and stuff, and that, those are awesome. I want to see that too. But even the work of having compassion for and showing mercy and grace. I want that too. Even when he was being spit upon. Even when he was being martyred and persecuted. Paul the same and other apostles as well. How they treated Joseph. And how they treated Daniel. And how they treated other people uh, uh, of God. I want that attitude. I want that mindset. But it doesn't come from our own self-righteousness. Actually that will actually cause us to despise other people. If we ever catch ourselves despising other people, I might despise what they do. I might despise their attitude. But I do never want to despise them. That is dangerous territory. That is not right. That is not the spirit of God that we have. Yeah, thank you. Apple TV wants to play movie. <laughs> but I just... Uh, but I want to, I love seeing miracles. I love seeing people healed. But the greatest miracle of my life I've seen is a life that is transformed by God. Amen. I know all that is part of that transformation too, so I'm not taking away from that. But when I see forgiveness, when I see mercy, and then when I see the other healings, I'm, I'm, I'm wild, but when I see... Because I know how deep some of these pains, emotional pains, can go from just being rejected and, and different things that go on from, from and families and friends and, and generations and whatnot. But when I see a heart that is so proud and it's melted to be, to be 
to serve and to bless other people. I mean, one I mean, this is kind of just one example of that but the whole the whole Christmas story, the Scrooge. You know how he's so mean and just no one wants to be he doesn't want to be around him, they don't want to be around him. But then there's a heart change. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that's a Christmas story and different things, but uh some of us are in the kingdom of God in the in the name of the kingdom of God have been Scrooges. Mm. And so uh, I don't want to be a Scrooge. And uh and sometimes people are angry despite their people because they violate my rights. And so again, it's all about me. And the greatest among you will be the servant of all. Amen. You know, when they teach us in, uh, in leadership training and emotion ministries for missions, they take you from a servant attitude. Mm. The best leader is one who serves. You can't serve and judge at the same time. There's no service to that. And so, uh, anyway, I know I, this message is, again, even when, like last week, it's not to condemn and to, get a, to paint a bad picture, but it's actually to paint a different picture to get us to encourage that the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is within us. And we can act that way. And when we do act the way that we should because we're operating in the kingdom of God in the way we should, we, through that kingdom, of love and mercy and grace, we will smash the kingdoms of this world. Because the kingdoms of this world and the religious kingdoms that are out there are not are despising people. And they are judging people. It's called the ministry of condemnation. It's called the ministry of death. And we are the head and not the tail. We are the spirit, ministry of righteousness, the ministry of the spirit, the ministry of reconciliation. And so when we operate on God, I trust God's kingdom more. Just financially, I don't trust the world's economy, but I trust God's economy. It's also the same thing with his relation with people. When we love people, and they, it's not, you know, how many times, you know, sometimes when you love people, you're not always guaranteed they're going to love you back. That's right. <laughs> and it can't be about that. Mm. It can't be about them loving us back. Because then the focus is back on us again. Mm-hmm. It has to be, I'm going to love them regardless. Right. Regardless what they do, regardless whether they receive it, whether God they 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 love. Some, I mean, part of it. I mean, it sounds very noble. Won't you just love me the way I love you? But we're not guaranteed that. Our source of satisfaction has to come from God, not man. That's right. The fear of man is a snare. And so we have to love people because He loved us before we. Uh, and we love people regardless how they love us. God loves people whether they love him or not. He died for them whether they love him or not. Yeah, that's right. Some people have spat in his face. And I don't remember the, the movie, uh, uh, it's a fireproof movie. Uh, you know, and the father is trying to minister to his son. And he finally gets him to a walk in the wilderness in that, in that camp area. And he says, but you spat in his face. And he's talking about him kind of that pep talk about how he spat in God's face and whatnot. He rejected. So many times we have we have spat in God's face more than we know, even us. And yet His love for us has never wavered. Amen. It's never changed. He's not focused on our response. He's focused on He just loves us. He, the God they love is not is not a verb. It's a noun. It's not based on human emotions. Mm-hmm. It's a noun. It's not a verb. It's a, it's a uh, and uh, God and me can help me love one another. Lord, we worship you. 
We exalt you. We magnify you. Lord, I know this might be a different perspective of talking about the kingdom of God. But love covers a multitude of sins. Love is greater. Love is stronger. And the kingdom of God is in us. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are blessed to bless. Love is stronger than hate. Light is stronger than darkness. Life is stronger than death. The kingdom of God is here. It's not as a system of this world. It's not contingent on the system. It's not dependent on the system of this world. It's not dependent on whether we love others. It's dependent on us receiving your love so that we can know that we're loved so that we can love one another. And when we love one another, when we display the goodness of God, the mercy and grace of God, we will change lives. And through that we will change the nation. And we will change the nations. The kingdom of God is here. It's now. Is here. It is a God of love. It is a kingdom of love. It is a kingdom uh, of the fruit of your spirit. We just worship you. We magnify you. We thank you for this day. And we exalt you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.